listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We're reminiscing with you on your favorite Kobe Bryant memory at 1-800-919-3776. And on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. I'm going to, I'm going to give you Mr. T's favorite Kobe memory, one of his favorite Kobe memories. And he'll be, he'll, he might be able to chime in tonight because he is, he is a huge Kobe Bryant guy. Other than my son, Shamari, I think Mr. T is a Kobe Bryant, Bryant guy. So much to the point that I had to text him Sunday to make sure he was okay. Cause I know how affected he was going to be. So he might not be able to get through this. I'm going to share this with you before I take your phone calls. This is Mr. T. One of my favorite Kobe stories is that he'd show up to a 7 a.m. practice at 3.30, work out and get shots up on his own, go to his car to nap, and then return back to the gym. He was a warrior. He wanted it badly. And that and that's not – and later he'll tell you his favorite game favorite moment on the court, but just that speaks to the work ethic. That speaks to how I am the best and will continue to be the best. And when you look at the, as Bart just mentioned, the upper 1% of the 1% of great pro athletes, that's what separates them. You talk about um, the late Walter Payton and the Walter Payton Hill. You talk about, Michael Jordan and his early workouts. You mentioned Kobe Bryant and his early workouts. You know, you talk about Jerry Rice and his workouts. The absolutely tremendous, great superstar players understand that for you to be the best, you have to work at it. And that's just to be the best. That's the easy part. To maintain it means that you have to be even more diligent, even more obsessed because you know people are coming after you. All right, let's hear from you. 1-800-919-3776. CJ in Queens, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Larry, what's going on? What's up, CJ? How you doing? I'm doing good, partner. How you doing? Um, I got a lot of um, Kobe moments. Give me uh, one. I think, well, I'm going to give you, well, the first one is when he uh, played against Jordan. Um, that's when you you knew that he arrived. And the second second one, the reason why I picked this one is I, I know you remember when Kobe's first uh, game at the Garden, he scored one point. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he had a, a record of 61 points. Yep. So that just shows you that, you know, he worked on his, his game. And I know, like, you know, the New York media was just ripping him. Because you know they was like this is the, this is the guy close to Jordan, and he just proved a lot of people wrong. So I think uh, I think little kids that's aspiring to be like uh, basketball players, they can look at that and um, just get that you know Mamba mentality. I hear you, CJ. Thanks for the phone call. It's about hard work, man. I remember I was at the All Star game when Kobe at the Garden when Kobe Bryant first appeared there at first all-star game and he had he had some 
some struggles, but you could see there was talent there. The, the funny thing is that people, because of his confidence and the fact that he had no problem telling you how good he was, <laughs> people were like, okay, guy coming out of high school got a lot of mouth. Let's see what's going on. Year after year, you start to see him get better and better. Did not play a lot in the first year, but that second year and on after that, he was phenomenal. Spike's in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on ESPN New York tonight. A little better for you today, Larry? Yes. Okay, yes. Good. Okay, yes. Good. All right, February 2nd. And I called to check on Ty also. I've been trying to make the rounds and make sure everybody's good, too. Family show. Uh, yep. February 2nd, 2009, my regular seat, 94H, I was going every game. And uh, we always had a routine, and we always parked at the parking lot. One guy drove, and I knew all the guys there. So I knew all the players because they parked on, on the first level. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I come in, we meet, and then we go grab a burger. We just BS about hoops. Kobe was in town, a lot of purple and gold. And uh, it was an interesting game because we always looked at DMPs, and I can't say one name, or my nephew will kill me later. But Marbury was a DMP. I said, oh, that's good. And uh, and I see I come out to go around the corner, so the players are coming in. And I run into Tim Thomas because I knew him from Patterson Catholic, Al Harrington, and uh, Quentin Richardson. It wasn't a real good team. The Lakers were like forty and ten. Yeah. And all I remember about that night is you can look up the box. I'm sure you got to could do it. I think between Powell and Kobe, they had a hundred points, ninety points or something. Powell was like thirty and fifteen, and Kobe was sixty one. He made the twenty out of twenty. The Knicks kept it close for a while, but the guard it was all Kobe. It was. Just all cope. You don't forget games like that. Nope. You just don't get, forget games. And and we're on the way out. And we're getting in the car, and whoever drove us a carpool thing. And Jerry Jeffries is getting into his car. <laughs> and yeah, no, he's a good guy. He, he you was. Know, he was. He, he was a good guy. And and and, and, and you know, you say, listen, what are you going to do? He's shaking his head and shaking his head. And, and my buddy says to him, "What did he put you on powerful? What are you going to do with him?" You know, it was an interesting game. The Knicks weren't good then. They really weren't, you know. I think uh, David Lee, Chris Duhon was on that team. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the guy I can't name. And then the other guy who sat with a kid on his lap was injured oh, again. <laughs> I, I'll never get over the first time oh. I heard your reaction. <laughs> Every time I we say oh. that thought of him. And, and oh. I just always say, what a great league. Kobe Bryant may so rest in peace. And I've talked enough on him about the station. I've got to just let it go and... Remember all the great things about him, but guys like that guy, man, collected all that money and didn't play. Yeah, and this right. guy worked his can off, and yeah. this guy never lifted up. He just lifted a fork, you know. Yeah, but uh, because, he, you know what it is, Spike, and it's so funny you mentioned that. Thanks for the phone call, sure. my friend. Uh, because he was happy just being in the NBA. Kobe wasn't happy until he won championships and was the best in the NBA. So it, it's really what your goals were. His goal was achieved. Hey, I'm in the NBA. I'm making money. I'm good. I get a paycheck every two weeks. I get money in the bank. I'm good. I'm playing, you know. I'd like to win, but, you know, if I don't, hey, it's okay. No. For Kobe and players like that, losing's not an option. We, we, I'm not trying to deal with that. I'm just, that's not the way it goes. It just isn't. John is in Bridgeport. Hey, John, you're next on 98.7. Hey, buddy. It's me, John, from Bridgeport. I'm just going to try to tell you. The guy who just got off the phone with you, mm-hmm. that guy Spike, he calls a lot, and mm-hmm. he he should, he should have his own segment because he's just <laughs> he's, he's just off the hook. But um, I just wanted to call say a Yankees fan, Cowboys fan, and I just want to say that my, my my memories for Kobe was when I saw him on TV 
face to like literally shoulder to shoulder with with um Jordan. He he didn't even have enough hair on his face. My my daughter has more hair on his face in this in this when it happened. And when he when he when he boxed him out and he got that rebound, it just that blew me away. And when he did his three sixty, he did a three sixty dunk in a in a regular season game. It blew me away too. Kobe Bryant was thanks for the phone call, John. Kobe Bryant obviously tremendous athlete, tremendous and smart. Could see the floor. Could do everything. Could rebound, take the ball up, make people better, could pass. Even though people say he didn't pass, he passed more than he got credit for. He did make people around him better. But he understood that he was the guy on that team. And there are certain moments when you have to take over as the guy. Okay? When he's the guy, you take over. When they when there's a run and your team needs a bucket, you know he's what the guy. That's what happens. When it's a minute left in the second quarter and we want to get that run going near the half and pick it up in the second in the second half, he's the guy. That's what you do. So he understood his role and he embraced it. He didn't run from it. You're what Bart Scott mentioned when we had him on a couple of moments ago. Some guys' shoulders aren't big enough to take on that responsibility. And they they hide from it. He did not. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk to Cody and Westbury. Hey, Cody, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, thanks for taking the call. You got it, my friend. Um, I know you're doing. Uh, I got a next point, but you're doing Kobe moments. I'll just get it out quick. Uh, the okay. 2010, the 2010 Finals when he won his fifth ring. I guess just because that, I felt like that was his championship. He showed that mm. that great players, no matter at what stage of their career, they're they're always going to be great. So that that was awesome. It sure was. He did it without and Shaq. Yeah. I don't need no exactly. big fella like that. I don't yeah. need the big fella yelling at me, talking about, pass the ball, Kobe. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know what? He, he's awesome. He'll always be remembered. And uh, just like you said, hearts go out to families, including his family and all the others affected yeah. by the tragedy. Yeah, definitely. But um, watching the Knicks tonight was uh, a little unfortunate. I guess I got my hopes up. I could hopefully see uh, two performances consistently, you know, back-to-back, but nope. that's asking a lot. Sure is. Yeah, so it's it's frustrating. And then as we, we don't have a point guard, and now we got John Morant coming into the garden tomorrow on a back-to-back. Oh, uh, well, listen, enjoy a very young talent in John Morant. Here's how you have to do, Cody. You have to think of this as if as if you're playing fantasy basketball and you've got John Morant in your, in your fantasy team. But you're rooting for the Knicks, and that's how you have to look at the game. <laughs> Enjoy a great no. young player, and then just hopefully that somehow your team finds a way to win one. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, because they'll definitely probably put on some performance. Oh, so I can't I'll imagine. i enjoy it as much as I can. But because, Cody, who's going to stop him? Deadline. Who's going to stop him, Cody? I, I, that's that's the... nobody. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess you got to try and put Neil Aquino on him maybe, but yeah. that's maybe your best hope. Yep. But moving closer to the trade deadline, it's unfortunate because – 
Uh, I think in the moves they need to make, they're only going to get worse, but they need to make them. They got to trade guys like Marcus Morris Sr., and they got to trade guys like Bobby Portis because those, those, that's kind of the reason you signed them to these one-year deals in the first place. And if, uh, you know, I know the reports are Morris really wants to, he likes it here, he wants to, but I, I don't know. To a certain extent, that's an athlete saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. But if he really wants to, he can always re-sign a free agency, you know? Exactly, exactly. Exactly. See, this is the interesting thing, Cody, and thanks for the phone call. You make an interesting point. The problem here for the Knicks is do you just shed them or do you try to get something for them? And and what can you get? I mean, I think you could get something. I think you could get a number one from a, for a Marcus Morris. But here's the problem. If it's a playoff team that you're going to get the number one from, it's going to be a low number one. It's not going to be a high pick. It's going to be a low pick because they're going to the postseason. Okay, so do you – that's the question. What what type – who do you deal with and what are you getting in return? That's the issue. What are you getting in return if indeed you make that move? For Bobby Portis, what are you getting? What are you going to get? Is he worth a number two? And what's a number two to you? You're trying to get – you're trying to get players whom help turn your organization around. That's what, that's your goal. We're trying to get players who are better than what we've got. Hopefully draft that we can work with and, and get high draft choices who can come in, work with RJ Barrett, work with Mitchell Robinson, work with Kevin Knox if he's still here, work with Nilakin if he's still here, work with the young guys to form a nucleus that you try to get better. So, does trading those players give you the draft choices that will make you better? I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Erickson Huntington. Hey, Eric, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. What's up? Um, I, rem- I just remember um, Kobe. Um, you know, I was in L.A. visiting my cousin, and I remember in that playoff game, he took those two uh, shots that were air balls, but you know what? Like that, I think that's the thing that made like that's one of the things that made him unbelievable. Like he had the, you know what, to take those shots at that time of the game. You know, that was like unbelievable to me. And all of my cousins in California were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he took that shot." And I was saying, like, this kid's going to be unbelievable. He was Eric. He was a guy. And thanks for the phone call. He was the guy who understood, as I said, okay. It missed this time, but the next shot is going to start me on a roll. <laughs> well, I'm not going to miss. And that was his attitude, and that was his mindset. And that's why he was so good. And when he took the next shot that didn't go in, he had forgotten about the last one. If that was a bad shot, if it was an air ball, which was rare, if it bounced off the, the backboard or, or, or something where it was just like, what kind of shot was that? He put that shot out of his mind the next play. All right, the next one is going down. And that's what the great ones do. They have no conscience. <laughs> There's nobody sitting on their shoulders like, listen, you know how bad that last shot was. You better you better make sure this shot has got a little better shot than what you took the last time. No, 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 no. He's, he's not thinking that way. He's not thinking that way. He's thinking, I'm going to make this next shot. There's no question about it. I know this next one's going down. Mike's in Monroe. Hey, Mike, you're next on 98.7. Uh, good, uh, good evening. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. What's up? 
Uh, first of all, I just want to say great interview with Bart Scott. Like the perspective of him being in the locker room with Ray Lewis was amazing. It was. Um, well, let me just move on to my Kobe point. Like the thing with me and Kobe, there's so many great moments. The thing with me and Kobe was just every single game winning shot he took. It was like I'm a pimple faced teenager, and that was like ecstasy to me. <laughs> every time you see him just drain one and fist pumping, chest pumping, it was just, it was just. It was just so crazy, man. To this day, like, we still look back at those videos and it still gets goosebumps. That, that was the – it's not one play that Kobe had that is my favorite. It's just the magnitude of this guy on the court just taking these shots, man. It was bananas. It, Thank it, you for it, your time. You got it, Mike. Thanks for, the, thanks for the memories. It's – once again, and I know I'm repeating myself, but that's – that was his consistency. That's what made him the great player he was. That's what made him the next Michael. That's what made him a player that Kevin Durant says, for us young guys, he was our guy that we looked up to. Not And once again, yeah, he had jewelry, of course. But it's not just that he had jewelry. It's his work ethic his dominance in getting that jewelry and his ability to win with a dominant number two like Shaq or to do it where he had a, a wider, deeper supporting cast. You know, like when Paul Gasol joined it. So it's, 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 it's different. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's, it's different. And so his versatility his ability, once again, to make people better and to understand and pick moments when he had to take over. And that's the one thing that that's why, okay, and I can say it now because he's been gone a couple of years and we don't do that anymore. But that's why Phil Jackson's triangle worked with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Because when it broke down, they were guys who could handle off the blocks and turn it into a one-on-one opportunity to get a basket because they could put, they could create a shot for themselves from anywhere on the floor. And so they would call triangle, but they were always wasn't running the triangle. They had the triangle formation where guys would do the proper cuts and the moves and, and to, you know, get the defense and try to spread the defense out. And when people knew what the triangle was and they had the proper defense, the Kobe's and the MJ's knew what to do. That's why players would tell you that when they were first learning the triangle and they would go against the Lakers, Kobe was telling them where they were supposed to go on the floor. Because <laughs> he knew. And he knew the counter to everything that you did. Because he was a student of the game. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Before we leave you tonight in about 30 minutes, Tyreek Butler is going to give you his favorite Kobe Bryant moment. I'm trying to get him trying to get him ready. He's been struggling. Because listen, much like my son, who wasn't really a, he was he was okay with the Lakers. He was obsessed with Kobe Bryant. Obsessed. I can't tell you 
how much money I spend on Kobe Bryant stuff. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> how much money I'm buying on Kobe Bryant. But you understood it. And you respected what Kobe Bryant meant. We'll hear from you. We'll hear from Dwayne Wade. We'll hear from Shaq. We'll hear from, hear from Steve Kerr. A number of folks who are still weighing in on the great Kobe Bryant. And your memories as well. At 1-800-919-3776. Juan's in Mount Vernon. Hey, Juan, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how you doing, Larry? Good I'm all right, partner. You. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, well, you know, doing better. I'm 32 years old. I basically watched Kobe's entire career. Mm-hmm. So when I got the news on Sunday, I was completely devastated. And I was crying. My girlfriend's seeing me crying, and she's, like, all confused. So then the following day, she goes to work, and the guys that she works with, they're crying. So then when she comes home, she's like, wow, the guys that work were crying also. So she started kind of, like, understanding the significant and what Kobe meant to us, basically, you know, as sports fans, et cetera. So it was just, you know, tough time. But uh, my favorite Kobe memory is basically they were playing against the Denver Nuggets. The score was 82 to 65 in fourth quarter with six minutes left. So he's driving the ball in. He's a little past the free throw line. He turns the ball over, and he just sprints down the court Andre Miller thinks he has, like, an easy layup, and he just punches it off the glass. That basically sums up Kobe right there. Yep. Absolutely you know, right. Like, you know, that, that's the heart, the determination. Like, he had the up by 17, six, six minutes left. It's practically over. Like, he just, he just sprints. He sprints back. Like, you know, hard work. Go, go all the way. If not, you know, basically don't go at all. Nothing easy. Who he was. Right, Juan? Nothing easy. Exactly. I had to work for it. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. I had to work for it. You're not getting it easy. You're not getting it easy. It's not happening. It's not. That was him. That's what he exemplified on the court. And I tell you, I really would have been fascinated to see how his daughter Gianna would have performed in the WNBA because you could see she had his thought process. She had his work ethic. She had his mindset. She would have been a phenomenal player. She would have been. And she would have taken no prisoners like that. It would have been, it would have really, really been interesting. And unfortunately, we won't see it. More of your calls, but first, here's Dwayne Wade on his relationship with Kobe when Shaq was traded to Miami. Shaq got traded to Miami, and right away, Kobe and myself was pinned against each other. And I'm like, no, this is my one of my favorite players. But... I understood the business, I understood what we was out for. We was out for championships. And every time we played each other, I had to act like I didn't, that I didn't care, that I was playing against my, one of my idols. Elbows, he falls, don't help him up. You know, all these things I had to get used to, and that was hard because I grew up 
wanted to be like this. Wanted to be like him. And there wasn't an act. <laughs> okay. That was how he was. So either you took it in whole or you, you really weren't trying to be like Hobie because all that was part of the mindset that he had. All that was part of the competitiveness. Dwayne Wade, on the moment he gained Kobe's respect. Check this out. I remember the first day that I really had a real conversation with Kobe, the day before the first Olympic practice, 6.30 in the morning. My trainer, Tim Grover, gets me up and says, hey, we got to go get our work in before we get there, uh, before you guys get to practice. And I go to the weight room, and there's only one other person in the weight room, and it's Kobe Bryant. And Kobe's on the opposite end. I'm on the opposite end. We're not really saying much to each other. We're just getting our work in. And towards the end of the workout, it was a drill that Tim made us do that you had to get in a push-up position and hold yourself and see how long you can hold yourself. And he pinned me and Kobe right next to each other to see who can hold each other the longest. His competitive drive, my competitive drive, it was the longest I've ever held myself up. And after we got done doing three sets of that, Kobe stood up and said, you just like me. Tim, why you didn't tell me this was just like me? And from that moment on, I've had his respect. And for me, as a young kid, coming into this league, it was one person that I wanted their respect from. It was one person I wanted to look at me as his equal and look at me eye to eye, and it was Kobe Bryant. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Bart Scott kind of got us started with a interesting analysis on why pro athletes that you've seen just not not just in the NBA which you would expect because they witness this greatness of Kobe Bryant and they understand it and he's one of their peers but how people receive dunking in the pro bowl right dunking over after getting a touchdown and dunking over the goalpost and flashing 24 and soccer players scoring flashing 24 uh, tennis players on the court wearing Lakers jersey, eight. And, you know, just just to figure out why peers who, who, players who understand, I guess, what it takes to be great, respect what Kobe Bryant accomplished. It was fascinating, and I loved the way he broke it down. And he, of course, talked about, you know what, it's not easy to play with those guys. It's not they demand what they demand of themselves. They demand of you because they're like, if I, if I can do this, <laughs> what well, you can do it too. And that's what we need to get this job done. We don't win the championship. I need everybody to think like this. Now I know all of you can't get to that level. All of you don't have the skills to get to that level, but mentally we can be focused enough to do what we need to do. And that's what he was able to do. 1-800-919-3776. Hi, Trey from Brooklyn, Texas. You're next on 97. What's going on, Larry? How are you? I'm all right, Trey. What's going on, man? Good, good, good. You know, just wanted to chime in tonight, and I really just called to speak to my, my little brother tonight because, you know, I felt it was important. I really, I, I, you know, no disrespect, Larry, but this was about Ty tonight. Okay. You know what I mean? For me. For me. That's that, That's my guy. I understand. You know, and, I, and, I, and I know and I know his chest is hurting, so I don't like that. Yeah, I know. But um, but um, he's a trooper though. He's hanging in there. He's a trooper. Man, he's, he's a pro. He, first off, where's he from? 
what what borough is he from? That <laughs> he's got no choice. Yeah, that's true. And and that's kind of like that's that, true. like I was like I was speaking to him. You know, I was like, we've had that already. So for Cody to put a name on it and call it Mamba mentality, man, we we from New York, man. Yeah. Yep. This this is this, and 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 that, I don't know if it's an East Coast thing. I don't want to sound biased, but I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, everybody not built with that, man. You, you know, nope. I, you know, you know my favorite phrase: testicular fortitude. Yeah, you gotta yep. have it, man. Yeah, you look, you gotta have it. You know what I mean? And he had it. Mm-hmm. So my, one of my, I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you my favorite moment. Go. My favorite moment is when he when he sat on that podium with them shades on his head. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? That was the template for what ESPN has now turned into a whole avenue for kids and, the, you know, LeBron's decision. Man, Kobe yeah. did that first. Yeah, that's right. Trailblazer. You feel me? Yeah. So, and that, and you know what the, and you know what the, and like I told you last night, my second favorite moment was Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday was Sunday. He lit the match mm-hmm. for the next mind to expand Larry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He lit the match because we were lazy on Sunday. Yep. Yep. We were all lazy, Larry. We were lackadaisical. Mm-hmm. We weren't focused. We were chilling, having a lazy Sunday. And Kobe said, yo, y'all being lazy right now? Mm. With all this, what we got to do mm-hmm. that has to be done? Let's go to work. Yeah. L- allow, allow, me to, allow me to step my foot and let's go to work. Because we're lackadaisical right now, we're just going through it. We're just going through the motion. You see what I'm saying, Larry? Mm-hmm, so those mm-hmm. are my those are my two. When he put them shades on his head and had the testicular fortitude to say, "I'm taking my talents to the NBA," because I already played against them guys in open gym. Yeah, they can't see me. Yep, I'm about to go. I'm about to go and do things. And then, and, and let me squeeze in another one quick. Utah, because the look on his face after that series was over was never again. Yeah, y'all can laugh now, Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have the last laugh on this one. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna be more focused. I'm gonna be more engaged and strong. And he was all of those things, Larry. And he's even more now. He's even more now, Larry. It's time to go to work. Yep, it's true. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So the the motivation that he has left us now it's time to scoop it up and move on. And the Mamba mentality is so in that kid that's in that studio right now. I pray for the cat that's coming for the seat because he's going to be in the big seat, Larry. Oh, yeah. You mark my word on that. Mm-hmm. You mark my word. If I don't have anything in this office right now, Tyreek Butler will be in the big seat one day. You heard it here. I'm telling you because he has Mamba mentality. He's from Brooklyn. That's my dude, man. I can't wait to hear your segment, bro. It's going to be fun. You yes, know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good, Trey. Absolutely. Come on, man. It's time. Um, what you doing Super Bowl Sunday, man? What's on the menu? Uh, okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? Okay, we got we got the pulled pork. Mm-hmm. Okay. Smoked? Um, huh? of course, Larry. I'll I'm send just you pictures a, in a minute. Come on, you, no, no, no. I just just for people yeah. who don't know, I understand. Yeah. You know? Yes, okay. yes, right. yes. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Now, what I'm gonna do with that? What I'm gonna mm. do with that is I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the South and I'm gonna mix it with the North. And mm-hmm. we're going to do a thing in Jersey that's called disco fries. So, okay, so I'm going to shred that pork mm-hmm. over some hand-cut fries that I'm going to hand-cut. Then we go put some toppings on there, Larry. What you like? What you like? We're going to put some cheese on there. we got to have some cheddar. You know what I'm saying? We're going to layer it right. But we're going to layer it. I'm sorry I asked you. I'm starving. I'm sorry I asked you. 
<laughs> yeah, man. We go in there. I'm going to send you pictures. You know that. We go in there. Yeah. That's just a little appetizer. Of course, we're going to have the chicken wings, and we're going to have, you know, barbecued and fried. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have that. We're going to have the sides. We're going to have all of that. We're gonna, I'm going to send you all the pictures. Everybody follow me on Twitter. You know, you, you already know. I got y'all. Appreciate you, brother. I love y'all, man. I love y'all. Y'all get home safe. Hug everybody that's important to you. Miss Geneva, this is for you. We love you, queen. Yeah, we sure do. Thanks, Trey. Yes, sir. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Sam and Flatbush, you're next on 98.7. What's going on, Larry? Hey, partner, what's happening? Okay, can we switch to, let me talk about the Knicks. And I want oh, to God, sport. Sam, why do you want to talk about the Knicks? Go ahead, go ahead. It's better than Kobe. <laughs> yeah, I understand. It's the first time, you know. I understand. I want to talk about the Mets afterwards. Okay. So you can't score 92 points in this league and, and expect to win. Look what the Bucks did tonight. They scored 151 points without Giannis. Yeah, you know, I know, not- I know. But but you know what? Here's the thing. The, the, you're right, but in this game, they were okay because they only gave up like what 98, 99. <laughs> so if they had, if they could have had one or two more, def- they gave up 97. So if they had one or two more defensive stops, Sam, or could buy, or could make two more baskets. They would have won the game. So yeah, no, you're right. Why- you are right that you have to score more than 92 points. There's no question about that. But here was a team, finally, Sam, that they did a decent job defensively and got some stops. But they couldn't score. That's These are the, these are the definitions, Sam, of a bad team. This is what bad teams do. They play yeah, to the a- level of their competition. The competition's bad. They're worse. <laughs> and and then when they rise themselves to the competition, they play good, but not good enough because they're not good enough. You themselves to competition. I didn't see them doing that this year. Well, they, they have. I mean, they beat Dallas twice. Yeah, when they lost to, by 60 to the Bucks. You know? Yeah, but see, but but look, that's what I said. They tried to play well, but they're not even, they're not even on the same block as the Milwaukee Bucks right now, talent-wise. No. They're not even the same no. block. Forget building. They're not even on the same block. That's why it's so hard to trade Marcus Morris. But you have to. You can't fool yourself by not trading him. But what are you going to trade him for, Sam? A first rounder. Okay, but where's that first? Listen, I agree with you. But here's what I'm saying. You're going to trade him to where? The Lakers? What's that first rounder going to be? 30? 29? It's still worth it. You could, you could, you could actually get a good bench player. You could actually get good. Something. I got bench players. I need starters. <laughs> Sam, I got bench players. <laughs> I need starters. I need starters who are good. I need You know, listen. These they're decent. They're okay. But but I need guys who who. Thanks for the phone call, Sam. I need guys who can play. I'm tired of bench players. All we got are bench players. We got bench players who are starting. I don't need any more bench players on this Nick team. You know, like like Dave Rothenberg says, I want a championship. You know what I want? I want NBA talent. That's what that's all I'm asking for. As a Nick fan, that's all I want. Can I get some NBA talent? Guys who can hit the three. Please. Can I get guys who can hit the three? Consistently, can I get can I get three point shooters in a league where the great teams have three point shooters, and you don't have a three point shooter, you're struggling. See, they've got the post play, but while they're doing, while they're dominating 
in twos, they're getting killed by threes. So they're losing. So that's what I need. I need NBA high caliber talent as a Knicks fan. That's all I need. That's all I need. That's it. And I can't get it. (laughs) I can't get it. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Here is what you have to say about today's top news stories on ESPN New York Tonight. Spike's in Jersey. Spike's in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on ESPN New York Tonight. Uh, yep. February 2nd, 2009. I think between Powell and Kobe, they had 100 points, 90 points or something. Powell was like 30 and 15, and Kobe was 61. He made the 20 out of 20. And it's kept it close for a while, but the guy, it was all Kobe. It was just all Kobe. You don't forget games like that. Cody in Westbury. Hey, Cody, you're next on 98.7. The 2010 finals when he won his fifth ring. I guess just because that, I felt like that was his championship. He showed at, mm. that great players, no matter at what stage of their career, they're, they're always going to be great. So that, that was awesome. Erickson Huntington. Hey, Eric, you're next on 98.7. You know, I was in L.A. visiting my cousin, and I remember in that playoff game, he took those two uh, shots that were air balls. But you know what? Like that, I think that's the thing that made like that's one of the things that made him unbelievable. Like he had the, you know what, to take those shots at that time of the game. You know, that was like unbelievable to me. And all of my cousins in California were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he took that shot." And I was saying, "Like this kid's going to be unbelievable." Guts of a cat burglar. Didn't matter. I'll do it again because I don't miss three in a row like that. That's the mindset of Kobe Bryant. We thank you for your memories of the late, great Kobe Bryant. And we love it when you guys participate and give us your thoughts on our top news stories of the day. We try to do it every show here on ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Before I get to the phones, I got to bring in my guy, Ty Butler. This might be tough for him, JP. You might have to, you might have to rescue him. All right, Ty, give me your favorite. I'm not even going to ask you. Because you're not going to be able to get through it. So I'm not going to ask you where you were. I'm not going to ask you your feelings about what happened. I'm not going to ask you that. Because I already know. Your top two Kobe Bryant memories. It's still a tough question. Because I can rattle off my my top 30. But (laughs) for me, it has to start and end with the fourth championship in 2009 uh, against the Orlando Magic because it was the culmination of everything he had been working toward post Shaq. And I will always contend this uh, because, like, I want to say it was about a month or two ago, Kobe came out and said that if he and Shaq had stayed together, they would have won 10 championships. But my feeling is the best thing to happen to him in his career was him and Shaq breaking up. Because if you go back and, and look at the history, you know, Shaq goes to Miami, wins a championship with Wade, he ones up him. And the narrative, you know, quickly becomes Kobe can't win without Shaq. And it, and, it, and it lends further credence to the idea that he was carried by Shaq. Although, you know, if you go back and actually watch those series, those playoff series and those, those NBA finals, Kobe was very significant in winning those championships. But, you know, Five years, six years without Shaq, he didn't win. Then you get to 2009, you know, the year before that, they got to the NBA Finals, but Andrew Bynum was hurt. They lost in six games. 2009 comes, 
you know, Kobe fresh off winning a regular season MVP gets that Lakers team to the NBA finals. And finally, you know, that monkey was off of his back. He finally won that championship without Shaq. And to me, it solidified him obviously as an all time great player, but as, as one of the best players we've ever seen, one of the most fierce competitors, an all time great scorer. And I would say that that's probably my most fondest memory. You know, just watching him get through those tough Nuggets teams and the Rockets and the Jazz and finally getting that elusive fourth championship. It's an interesting statement. So you think that Kobe was actually better without Shaq? No, not that I think he was better without Shaq, but there was a narrative that had followed him for so long Mm -hmm. that he couldn't win without him and that he got carried to those first you know, three championships. He needed to get a team where he was looked upon as the clearly the best player, clearly, you know, clearly and by far the best player on the team and establish a legacy where that narrative was no longer going to be part of the equation in terms of how history would look at him. Mm-hmm. Because had he stayed with Shaq, it was always going to be Shaq was the one A and he was the two. Mm-hmm. But because they broke up, and he ultimately was able to become who he was as the best player on a championship team, on two championship teams, mm-hmm. I think that further enhanced his legacy. Which would have been, hypothetically, which would have been better for you if Kobe had did what he did, won the five championships, and we there's no doubt how great a player he was, or if Shaq had stayed and they won the 10? No, I I, I will go with the former. And it sounds okay. crazy because, you know, 10 championships, it's, it's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Like we saw, you know, Russell's Celtics do that. But in terms of modern-day NBA history, that's something you don't see because won't. so much has to go right. Like mm-hmm. you, you need to have injury luck. You know, you got to have players that, you know, don't get tired of each other. Same with the coaching and an environment that you create where it's conducive to keeping a team together for that long. It, obviously, you know, one would surmise that's the way to go. But for me, as far as his legacy um, is is taken a, 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 into account, you have to look at what he had happened going to three straight NBA finals as the best player on his team. Uh, to me, that was more more important than anything he could have done with Shaq. Fascinating. It's an interesting take. And you said my so you said two. Yeah. My second would be them going back to back because you know. In 2010, they beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals. And, you know, after what happened in 08, that embarrassing loss in, in, in Boston, game six, Kobe always talked about how, you know, excruciating it was for him to walk off that court with the confetti fall and they lost by 40 plus points. It was one of the most lopsided games in franchise history. For him to come back in 2008, remember they were down 3-2 in that series Mm -hmm. and it was before the NBA remodeled this format. Uh, it went, it was 2-3-2. Two, two. The mm-hmm. Lakers played the three straight road games, came back to LA, won a decisive game six, and then game seven, they battled back. Kobe, you know, shot six of 24 in that game, but 15 rebounds, seven assists, and he hit one of the big buckets, one of the clutch buckets in, uh, in the fourth quarter of that one. Not necessarily being a Laker fan, but not liking Boston. I was very happy with that game. We couldn't have Boston I was very happy win with that again. Game. I was very happy with that game because even though I, I respect his work as a broadcaster, I'm not a Paul Pierce fan. As a player, I did not like Paul Pierce. I did not like Paul Pierce. Don't 
didn't like him. So, you know, too smug, too, too, respect his game, respected his game, his talent. But I was so happy to have his mouth shut because he's too smug. Uh, so I was very happy with that. And obviously, when you talk NBA, you talk history, it's Lakers Celtics. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's, it's Russell and, 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 and Chamberlain when he got to LA. It's, you know, Bird the, and Magic. Bird and Magic. You know, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's what the NBA was. So, you know, to see those guys go at it and, um, you know, to see the Celtics get their comeuppance, Ty enjoyed that. Yeah. As and, a Nick fan on the outside. And, and <laughs> just going back to 2009 real quick, uh, with the Magic, like you heard a lot of Kobe's teammates saying he wasn't smiling throughout the, that playoffs, those, those playoff series because it was all business. He was super focused. He heard all the narratives being spun around about how he couldn't win without Shaq. He finally got it done, tied Shaq, and then in 2010, you know, leapfrogged him by winning that fifth championship. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>